0: If a printer is jammed, you have to go over it. You have to open it up. You have to figure out where the paper is. You have to understand how the printer works. You can't unjam a printer by saying, oh, everything is actually fine. But on the inside, if you have an emotion, let's say frustration, if you try and fix it, if you try to do anything with it, with your mind, it's going to keep it there. It's not going to resolve it. It's only when you open up and let go of all that, that frustration can actually
1: leave. Welcome to another episode of Success with Purpose, where we help mentor you into becoming a more successful version of yourself. We do this through giving you access to mentors you typically would never have the opportunity to connect with. We explore their journeys, their experiences, their life-changing events, their fields of expertise, and most importantly, their purpose. My name is Harry Goldberg, husband to an incredible woman, father of two amazing daughters, host, interviewer, and interrogator of this podcast. And now, just before we learn from yet another exceptional guest, if you find value from these conversations, please make sure to like and subscribe below, leave a review. It really does make a difference. And of course, share with someone else who's going to find value. Now, listen in, pay attention, take some notes, enjoy. Let's begin. Kith, welcome back on Successful Purpose part two.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, really an honor to be here.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure because this is a, this is a really special conversation that we're going to be having. It's one that we're both been excited for for a long time. We've only just kind of made time for it now. And what we're going to be focusing on here is what is meditation and how we can learn because for the last for the last year or so, uh, we've been teaching people how to learn meditation, what is meditation, how they can apply it in their life. We've been taking cohorts of, of incredible individuals through six weeks of learning the foundations of meditation, basically everything that Jai has learned while he was a monk for 10 years in monastery. And in this conversation, what we're going to be exploring is much of what we teach in the class. And hopefully it gives you the capacity to start learning and get your foundations on the right track. Now, there are going to be things from this conversation, which you're probably still going to have questions about, and you're going to be wondering like, oh, I don't know, but how does that apply with me here? Or what about this here? Or, this doesn't quite make sense. Or you try something and you're like, oh, this is really cool, but now I'm hitting another roadblock here. Well, part of our hope is that you can keep listening, re-listening to this and you'll be able to continue to improve, or you can engage with us in the future for us to be able to teach you more personally, more one-on-one or in a group setting, specifically answering your questions about what is meditation, how you can get better at meditation and how you can really transform this in your life. So Jai, before we get started, do you want to share a little bit of an as to what your life was like before you ended up in your monastic journey and becoming a monk and then how your life has changed since what you're doing now, and then we'll kick off the conversation from there
0: sure yeah so uh, meditation um, it's it's important to know that it's a transformative process it's not an intellectual study so it's not theory it's not um, book knowledge um, it's not anything we can actually understand Um, it's very much a transformative uh, more emotional process and um, so i was a monk for 10 years And before going into the monastery, I was, I've never, never meditated before. um, Wasn't particularly religious at all. um, Wasn't very spiritual growing up. I just had an experience that brought me um, into the monastery. And so I started very fresh, very, very from nothing, not having any prior knowledge. Um, And... I understand all the hurdles and roadblocks because I've been been through it. Um, And so where to to start with meditation um, is really really creating a simple foundation, very, very simple foundation of just showing up consistently for however amount of time you can uh, to start the process. Not even that important what you do initially, Um, but, because the, the most important thing I found in meditation is the consistency part. Uh, we had monks that did stretches of, you know, very intense austere meditation, but then uh, dropped off with nothing. And that really doesn't help very much. The, even if it's a small amount, but as long as it's consistent, that is really, really the power of the practice. And so initially, even if, um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't really matter what you do too much, although, you know, we can offer, you know, a wonderful starting point. Um, really, I want to emphasize that the, the consistency part is is, very, is the most important part. Because again, this is a transformative process. It's an experiential process. It's not an intellectual process. And so you need to have the experience and in order to have that, you can't think it. You actually have to have it. <laughs> and that mean, means showing up.
1: right. And so in your in your journey, just for in case people haven't listened to the previous episode um, back in episode three of this podcast, uh, for in terms of your journey, what was your life like before that moment, that transformative experience which you had which led you towards meditation? Can you share that briefly?
0: Oh yes, yes, huge shift, huge shift. <laughs> I mean, I was um, again not religious, not spiritual. I thought um, that sort of thing was a relic of the past. I believed um, science. I mean, I still love science, but I believed you know science was was above uh, you know spirituality and um, and happiness. To me, at that time, was money, the house. Uh, the, you know, the girl, the, the things I can't be happy unless I have something. Um, and after my completely spontaneous spiritual experience, it flipped 180 degrees. And I'll just sum it up real quick. I was literally uh, just driving, um, lost basically everything. And I was just driving to the bank <laughs> um, to close everything out Uh, because it was all gone and it felt like the best way i can explain it is that a vacuum just sucked out all the uncomfortable discomfort painful negative feelings and what replaced it was this gigantic wave of 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 a of a refined beautiful joy that i've never felt before and it was such an impact that I started, I started laughing hysterically. I started getting lightheaded and I had to pull over. Um, I lost a little bit of sense of time because I'm not sure how long I stayed there. It could have been five minutes, it could have been 45 minutes, I'm not sure. But it was, it was quite a while. Um, and then after that experience, um, for the next two or three weeks, I was just on cloud nine. Um, the external world, I should have been the most miserable, but I was, the most joyful, and I could see from from this transformation how it impacted my life. Um, the disharmony I had with my roommate at the time completely disappeared. Um, it, things like I, I'd become more lucky at things. You're like thing opportunities. There were I, I would see more opportunities for things, um, and so after two or three three weeks of this, um, you know it. it it wouldn't go away. <laughs> and so um, I started reading about, you know, what is this? Uh, so I went to Barnes and Noble um, and I, and I, as soon as I walk in and I turn to the right, and there's this big sign that says spirituality. So I walk over there um, and the first books that I see are um, two books from the East, uh Tata Maharaj and uh, Ramana Maharishi. And so, and they were talking about the self. They were talking about um, spiritual realization. I didn't even know Hinduism was a religion at that point. (laughs) I had, I didn't even know it existed. Um, and so I I read those books and I was like, wow, they're actually talking about what I experienced. This is phenomenal. Um, and then I knew at that point I, I wanted this, I wanted to study this as sort of my life study. And so then I started researching monasteries. Um, went to a couple of different ones, and then chose one uh, in Hawaii. Okay,
1: and just to just to put a quick pin in this conversation, it's a it's an important point that we've we've addressed multiple times. Right, the the people who have attended our uh, meditation masterminds and learned from us are from all different backgrounds. Uh, we've had people who are who are Christian. We've had people who are Jewish. We've had people who are uh, who are very atheist or agnostic. We've had people who follow Eastern religions as well uh the what we're actually teaching in meditation isn't directly hinduism ultimately uh it's quite separate to the spiritual uh to the spirituality realm of it it's just hinduism just seemed to be the way that you managed to find this technique that we've been teaching right yes
0: no that's correct um in fact i identify more as spiritual but not religious at the moment um the um the the monastery i went i went into what um, ended up being Hinduism. Um, but I certainly wasn't attached or anything to that. Um, what made me go, go into that monastery was, one, um, the location. It was in this beautiful island of Hawaii. Um, it just looked heavenly. Um, probably one of the most beautiful places on the planet that I've seen. Um, and two, the just the, the vibration of the place. It was just amazing seeing the monks there and everything. It just, it just called sucked me right into it. Uh, another monastery that i saw it was the zen buddhist monastery loved it as well it was in upstate new york um but it just it just didn't have that calling for me <laughs> and so um i just jumped two feet in into into the hindu monastery in, okay in hawaii and so
1: then you spent 10 years of a monk uh, as a monk and we'll we'll explore what you actually learned during that while we basically teach the meditation in this conversation but you're no longer a monk you left the monastery And you re-entered the world, what's your experience of life been like since you've been back in the real world?
0: (laughs) Well, it wasn't too much of a distinction for me. Um, but, um, basically you, you, take two year vows at a time and then after a decade, um, you get offered lifetime vows and I decided not to take lifetime vows. So, you know, it was, it was two, several, um, several fold here. Uh, One, you know, I wanted to get married and start a family. And then two, um, I really wanted to prove to myself, you know, okay, you know, these realizations that I got in the monastery, um, you're you're in kind of a different world there. You're you're facing a completely different planet. (laughs) And um, I said, well, how does this translate into actually, you know, in real life and creating and uh, creating wealth and, you know, being out in in action and everything in the world? And so... um, I started with absolutely nothing. It was right during the pandemic, March, 2020. um, uh, I was given a thousand dollars, an iPhone and a plane ticket. That's it. Um, And the clothes that I was wearing. Um, I didn't even have underwear. In fact, one of my first purchases was going to Walmart (laughs) and buying underwear. Um, So I literally started from nothing. Um, And the job that I had lined up because of the pandemic um, wasn't available. So, um, uh, I went around, and there was an opportunity to paint fences. So that's just the first thing—the first thing that I did, um, and all—and all of that, that all the process from starting from nothing, building up, all of it was, has been absolutely wonderful. It's—it's it's truly been been a joy. More like um, my application of sort of the realizations that I found in meditation, you know, actualized.
1: This is really cool because for the for the listeners, um, Jane and I've been. Pretty close now for about two two and a half years or so Jai has put in a lot of effort a lot of energy a lot of people seeing it from the outside would be like wow he's grinding he's hustling he's working really hard um uh, it's not like he's just like oh this is so nice and easy and just kind of stumble into a job and everything's just working out perfectly it's like no there's a lot of effort a lot of time a lot of work that's gone into getting where you are do you, do you want to share what you're doing now and some of the projects you're working on
0: uh sure uh, right now, I work for a, um, a, a local bank. Um, I'm the IT administrator there, and I'm about to be getting a promotion to um, uh, a data engineer, to, to, to start, a, start a, a kind of data analytics division, um, and also uh, heavily involved in encoding um, in algorithms for trading the financial markets, and also meditation, teaching meditation.
1: Yeah, amazing. Okay, cool. Uh, so... J- Jai's selling himself short sure, basically he's in a he's doing a hell of a lot in the organization that is in uh, in leading the some a lot of the transformation in the company and then also incredible making incredible transformations for the clients who have been helping with meditation and yes the the trading algorithms which are pretty cool to see come along okay so let's dive into what meditation is because i i suspect that anyone who's listened that joined us for this long for the last 10 minutes or so uh, is inspired by the fact that you've come up from nothing to have a lot more than most, like you're already above average uh, in many regards in terms of the income that you're earning and the fact that you have your house and the white picker fence and you've got the, you like, you've got the, you've got the puppy you're Like you're, you're building the life that you actually wanted. And most people are quite far from that. And you've been building that while you've been, having a sense of inner peace and joy and actually enjoying the journey the whole way. So hopefully from someone who's been listening to this so far, they're like, okay, cool. That's intriguing. I think I want more of that. Let's hear what it actually involves. Uh, Would you like to start explaining or introducing what meditation is the way that we start introducing it to people in in our cohorts?
0: Yes. So again, meditation is a transformative process. um, And it's an experiential process. And in the beginning, you know, we're so used to um, trying to avoid pain and going towards pleasure. And in meditation, we start shifting to welcoming pain. (laughs) Now that may sound strange. You know, why would you want to welcome pain? Um, But, you know, you'll find that when uh, inside, emotionally, when we have pain or any sort of suffering, um, if we want to try and fix it, if you want to try to push it away. If you want to try to avoid it, uh, pretend it's not there, um, say it's bad, all of that fuels it even more. And so in meditation, you're actually, uh, going to be welcoming in all of your pain and when, and when you do that fully, that's when it transforms.
1: Right. And how long do you need to commit? We'll, we've been talking about consistency and making sure that we're making the, the most of what we're doing, uh, what does it look like to be consistent with meditation and how long until we start getting the results? Yeah. So,
0: um, in the monastery, we did an hour and a half a day. <laughs> don't worry. You don't have to do that much. Um, I recommend, uh, 30 minutes. Um, but you can literally start with 60 seconds. Um, if you have a very busy life, you've never really done anything like this before, um, it's difficult for you to find time, um, et cetera, et cetera start with 60 seconds, create your, a, a space for meditation and every day show up for 60 seconds. And you'll find that maybe you want to stay for three minutes, um, you know, and then just make it go a little bit longer, a little bit longer until it's, until it's the 30 minutes. Now to see um, results, um, you know, that varies. The very first time you can do it, Um, The very first time you do it, you can see results. Or maybe it's a a couple weeks down the road. Um, You know, a lot of the results that we see may not be what we think the results should be. So we don't see them as actual results. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the process starts right away. Um, And one thing I always try to emphasize is that you cannot, the, the way we approach meditation here, you cannot get it wrong. There is no possible way you can get this wrong. The only way you can get it wrong is if you do not fill up.
1: Yes. You've spoken about that quite a few times, right? People are often trying to discipline themselves and judge themselves and go, no, 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 you gotta pay attention or you gotta, you gotta welcome it. Or you gotta let go. Like they, they start really pressuring themselves and they're trying to discipline themselves. And the way that I've heard you share it in the past is the only way that we discipline, like the only discipline we need in this practice is to show up for practice that's the discipline so it's not like this is all without discipline and all nice and fluffy and rainbows and happy and whatever uh we got to show up and actually do the work but the work is not in the meditation the work is showing up to the meditation making the time in our busy schedules making the space
0: it's, it's a bit of a paradox that um, no effort is required in meditation. So he's like, you know, your mind's, okay, well, you know, what do I do? How do I don't even get anything? <laughs> um, you know, what's the purpose of all this? Um, but the most difficult part of meditation is how incredibly simple it is. And so our minds want to uh, participate. They want to, uh, um, you know, move the wheels. and and try to get things, things moving and going. Um, and, but anything that, any, any sort of effort like that just hampers things even more, but that's fine. You know, that, that it's going to happen that that's, it's supposed to come up. (laughs) Um, and so when, but when you start having the actual experience, um, of a release, when you actually start, uh, opening up and, and your pain, uh, goes away and gets replaced with, your true inner joy, you're going to be like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, for most people, when they start experiencing that in meditation, um, it doesn't seem like they did anything at all. It seems like it was done to them, but what, but, but really what's happening is that we stop suppressing, you stop holding on. Um, so then it, it goes all by itself. So really there's a lot of habitual effort that's holding our pain inside. And so meditation, you start gently unraveling that. But the release happens completely effortlessly. Any sort of effort is suppression.
1: Yes. And the way, I mean, the way that we've often seen people appreciate this or understand it is that when an emotion comes up, only it can only go one of two ways like uh, like even positive emotion but let's just talk about the negative ones like imagine a sense of anxiety or anger or rage or frustration or annoyance what whatever extreme it is whatever extent now imagine that that's coming up when that's coming up there's only one of two ways it can go it can be released and go up and you let go or it can be pushed back down in which case it'll come back up sometime in the future eventually usually in ways and in times that you don't expect it to um so can we explore a little bit about what this what these emotions are like how we notice them how we can identify them how do we know that something that's coming up is is kind of like an emotion that our mind is ultimately creating or that it's an emotion that we've been suppressing how do we identify it yeah so
0: the first step in meditation is to notice and welcome everything. We're, do not try to change it. You're just observing to see what's actually real for you. What's your actual real experience? Um, now, each of us have a, a degree of how much we cut off ourselves from, from our emotions. So if it, you're really just from the head up, you know, it may take a little while to get to get in touch with what's here. Um, maybe, you know, the sen- feeling sensations. Um, you know, maybe your, your thoughts will be more uh, more powerful. Or maybe you're really in touch with with your pain. You've been feeling it, um, which is a, a step better. Um, and but now you're ready to 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 really welcome it.
1: What does it mean to welcome it? So we're talking about this resistance that's coming up, right? Like we're talking about, and it could even be something as simple as something that's uncomfortable. Or is there another way to define it?
0: Yeah. So any sensations at all, even what you would deem as good, you still open and and release. <laughs> you know the. The meditation is a transformative process, but it, but it's also a process that changes as you change. And so, you know, in the beginning, you're gonna you're gonna be feeling you know emotions as as, as you have understood them um, in your life so far. Um, but when you go deeper, you'll either understand where that's coming from, you'll see the motivation behind that, but also you'll see that the uh, identifying something as anger or as fear is actually way after the fact. There's so much that happens before we even uh, realize that we're fearful, for example. And the emotion itself is completely neutral. There is actually no negative or positive. It's all the same energy, but the negative ones is the ones we, we push, we block, that we stifle. And so when we, Open up in meditation, we allow everything to flow. Our bad emotions start feeling good. Um, there was uh, someone yesterday, um, so every two weeks we do a um, uh, sort of a meditation inspiration 30 minute session for all the attendees of the meditation mastermind to, to help, you know, if they have questions, obstacles, you know, to help keep consistency. Um, and someone yesterday that I'm starting to enjoy my uncomfortable feelings. And I love that because uh, that's really starting to open the door to to the welcoming process. And so we want to welcome absolutely everything. We do not want to censor. Um, We're so used to censoring. We're so used to not wanting to deal with it because we don't know how to deal with it. We think we actually have to do something with it. But in reality, we do not. Um, The answer is not in the details of, of figuring it out. The answer is in a, med- a, a an experiential meditative process of releasing.
1: Yes. Okay. And so let's, let's explore this. So what's the first step for someone to meditate? How do we first teach it? So someone's saying, okay, great. What's meditation? How can I learn? What's the first thing that they can do in order to learn it?
0: So luckily you don't have to do anything to learn. it. <laughs> you don't have, to, you don't need to prepare at all. Um, but, the, but the first step I say is um, create a meditation space in your home. It doesn't have to be a whole room, um, but a, for, a, a sort of formal setting to where this is where I'm going to be meditating. A meditation space is actually pretty important, um, especially for when we, when we first start. Um, it's something I don't really hear too much about, um, but was definitely emphasized uh, at the monastery. And so once we have our space, Then we just show up every day for however long we initially want to commit to, which could be as little as 60 seconds. Um, And we simply observe what's here.
1: Before we dive into observing, can we explore a little bit more about what the meditation space is and what it's not? Sure.
0: So a meditation space is just a space um, that's meant to support you in your meditation process. So it should be uplifting. Um, it should, you know, you can put there whatever you'd like. I personally like eucalyptus. So I'll have eucalyptus candles have um, a, a, a meditative um, statue and, you know, a few other things. Um, very minimalistic. Some cool lights. It doesn't matter what, what's there, but as long as it's, it's uh, a positive place for you. So when you think of it, when you go to it, it's uplifting. Now, this is going to help out uh, establishing your consistency, but also when you first start um, welcoming in uh, pains that you have been suppressing, um, bringing them in into a space that's positive and uplifting for you makes it that much uh, more supportive and helpful in your meditation process.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so everything which you just shared there is, is really valuable. You've got to have the space that makes you feel calm, that makes you feel at ease and that helps you with really, um, being able to and eventually welcome the negative emotions, but also help you keep more consistent. Now, there are a couple of things which are really important as well to note. The one is, as I was saying, you don't need that much space. He's got half of his office is used for, uh, meditation, uh, I, uh, back when I was at home, uh, when, when I had my home before I was in Singapore, um, I had half of my office was as well. I had a couch there, which I did a lot of coaching for clients, but when I made it my space, I had my pillows set up and everything was just right for my meditation space. And you literally only need like one square meter ultimately. Uh, and we've had some clients who have literally just decided the only place that they can have with no distractions is their office when they're working from home and that type of thing. And so what they'll do is they'll have their desk, uh, where they're looking at their computer and they'll simply turn their chair around and they're facing a blank wall or a nice picture or some scenery or whatever it is, uh, or a painting that they like. And they literally just turn their chair around and that's a new space for them. They're not looking at their computer all the sounds are off. They're not getting those annoying slack notifications all the, all the frickin' time and no one's able to call them on zoom like there are no distractions the kids aren't running in there's there's no one shouting around you you're literally just in your own meditation space and as you progress in meditation like say six months in or a year in you won't need this space anymore as much it's still beautiful it's still lovely to have and it's still amazing to have it still deepens your experience but it's not that you don't get fooled by thinking that meditation needs to be in this space only your meditation is what happens within you and your experience so jai let's talk about that experience you you started mentioning that we begin to observe we sit there we do nothing and we just observe almost like we're watching a movie can you can you describe that experience as best as you're able to just literally the noticing phase yes
0: yeah so a, a big part of where we get stuck is that we identify with what we experience On the inside so whether it's a stream of thinking whether it's an emotion uh, whether it's a pain something that happened to you in the past uh, we identify with it so much that we cling to it and so when we notice it when we're when we're welcoming it what's starting to happen is that a separation starts to occur between you and what you're aware of so there's uh, it's a natural disidentification um, because the contents of what arises was never used. It happened after you. <laughs> and so we it's sort of an art it's a it's an artificial uh, ad- identity. And so um, when when we observe what starts happening naturally is that you start getting a sense of you and this thing that you're observing. And when it becomes an object of attention and not you, um, then we can take the next the next steps much better in the uh, welcoming part and and uh, the releasing.
1: I still remember uh, Eckhart Tolle's enlightenment story. Uh, for those who haven't heard of him, his uh, he he's a pretty he wrote Power of Now. He's been a pretty formative teacher in terms of what meditation is or getting people into a greater sense of awareness or mindfulness. And for him, he was really depressed. He had everything that he wanted. He was doing really well and working really hard in his job and everything. But he was really depressed. And he found himself in his, in his apartment one day, just thinking, I can't live with myself. And then he found so much joy from that because he went, hang on a second. I can't live with myself, but they two different things these two different things, which I'm looking at, and that's exactly what you're referring to now, right? You start to observe and you start, like, you don't need to get to depressed suicidal in order to notice this. You don't need to lose all of your money and feel like your life's ending be, in order to get to this. You could simply sit down and observe and go, right, I'm observing something. And the fact that I can see it means it is separate to me. And
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and what, what from then, like, what are the things that we're observing?
0: Anything and everything that arises, no censoring. So it can be, um, arguments with people that you had in the past, uh, traumas you've had in the past. It can be, um, what you're going to be making for dinner. It can be, oh no, is my career choice the right one? Was I mean to that person? Uh, you name it, absolutely everything that arises, we, observe. And what starts happening also when you observe is you start seeing everything from a little bit higher altitude. So you'll, so you'll see, oh, my mind's constantly worrying about, um, getting other people's approval here, 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 and here. Um, and these sorts of insights can really start shaking loose, um, uh, a lot of our uh, inner pain because deeper wants and desires, um, stem into many different types of emotions, and so in the beginning, we you know we deal with more of it's on the surface because that's what we're aware of. Uh, but then as we go deeper, we're in more of a core area that once that is uh, once a deep, that deeper area is welcomed and released, it releases um, a myriad of emotions and thoughts above
1: it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like this one. It's one thing which we pick up, we realize that there are lots of other things which are connected to it. And it's only through picking that up. Can we possibly see what's further down, right?
0: Yeah. But I want to emphasize is not an analyzing. Do not even try to figure anything out. This is something that will just, it's like, oh, there's a, a, a black laptop in front of me. That's it's, it's that simple. It's just an observing of what's real no need to analyze. In fact, analyzing will hinder (laughs) the process. Um, But so these realizations come come naturally,
1: right? So those so that analyzing, right? That's one of the things which we're keeping in check through this meditation practice, through being more mindful, through being more present, we start to notice when we start to have all these thoughts that analyzing, right, there's a there's a black laptop in front of me, it should be blue, it should be silver, it shouldn't be black. Black is boring. Everything in my life is black. Why am I wearing a black T-shirt? This is terrible, right? All these types of things which start to come up. If you're if you're listening to this and you're starting to try meditation and you've heard this and you're like, okay, great. I just got to sit down and do nothing. And then you start noticing your mind is not doing nothing. Um, it's very, very active. That's entirely normal. And when Jai was just referring to there's no censoring, don't cut anything out. Uh, well, this is what we're talking about observe that as well so you notice that you got a black laptop and then you notice some thoughts about the black laptop and then you start to notice that there are some weird emotions which are coming up because you're starting to use language like should or should not or can't or terrible or bad or negative or whatever's coming up um, and just notice it just note simply notice that you have that reaction to noticing a black laptop or you have that reaction to noticing that you're your stomach is rumbling like because you're hungry as opposed to then going okay well my my stomach is hungry Uh, like obviously my my stomach's making this weird sensation obviously i'm hungry and you go downstairs and eat some food after this meditation of course and then and when i go down i eat my food i'm going to open the fridge i'm going to decide what i'm going to eat is it going to be anything that i want to eat now actually there's nothing there which is that good Well, why is there nothing there it's because i didn't buy anything and that's because i'm useless and terrible and pathetic This is, this is real in terms of what your mind comes up with, but it's obviously not real for your experience. So as you're sitting down to meditate or observe, simply observe the analyzing is what's going to just bring more pain. Is that right, Jay? Uh,
0: Yes. I'd like to add, even if your mind is analyzing, Um, You know, that's not something to fight. That's not something to necessarily even stop. That's the next thing to observe. Because that analyzing, uh, you might be identified with that. And so that's the next thing to observe and then see and realize that's not you. And then, you know, continue on with the process. So like judgments, judgments are gonna come up. You're gonna judge the process. You're gonna judge, am I doing this right? You're gonna say, oh, I should have done better. You know, am I even feeling the right things? What am I even feeling? Um, They're gonna come up, Um, but don't try to manage them. Don't try to control them. Uh, They're just the next thing to observe. In fact, um, you know, we can sit down for three hours watching a movie and we're focused on it, but why is it so difficult to sit down and watch our inner movie for five minutes, (laughs) you know? And so it's very similar. There's absolutely nothing that we wanna stop uh, fight, um, change because the the process happens naturally and so when that does happen, that's just the next thing uh, as your object of attention
1: Right, like if you're watching a movie and there's some form of dramatic irony and you know something that the character doesn't and you're you're shouting at the movie going, come on quick, there's the guy right behind you, come on quick, turn around no matter how much you shout at it, no matter how much you analyze, no matter how much you understand it while you're watching the movie, it's not going to come any faster. It's not, it's not going to realize that the guy's behind him any faster. You just simply watch it and notice what comes up. It's not going to change anything. It might be scary at times, especially if you have anxieties or trauma that are showing up, but just simply be patient with it. And know that you're not causing any harm because you're just simply watching a movie
0: yeah and our minds are hilarious <laughs> <laughs> it is one, one of the greatest comedies of all time mm. and uh and when you start having that relationship with um you know with what arises or how you react everything um there's such a softness there you're not going to take things um, as harsh problems will become serious um and uh, you know, even in, in bring that out to the whole meditative process to, um, accelerate.
1: Okay. What's next?
0: Now self-inquiry is simply just asking ourselves questions. Um, and that process may seem quite interactive, but it's actually something that happens all by itself as well. And so even during the self-inquiry process where we ask yourself questions, we're observing the whole process. So we ask ourselves a question, we observe what the answer is because the answer that we're going to be giving is the one that's honest and that is actually arising. And then we say what the answer is. And so even that it's, um, you know, the answers are yes or no. And it's very natural in the beginning um, to say, oh, I must say yes. I have to get to a yes. You know, no is bad. (laughs) But that's that's not true in fact we had one participant um who even though we emphasized that he um thought you know that you know the goal is to get a release and to get a yes and you know that's what we have to do um but that process is more the 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 minds holding on and, and, and hampering down and so the goal yes is a release Um, But that happens with a yes. That happens with a no. That happens with no answer at all, even. And the releases aren't something that's efforted towards. It's something that happens by itself when we stop efforting at the whole thing. And the stop efforting thing is a sort of doing, but it's not a doing in the traditional sense that we understand it to be. Um, And it's definitely not... The mind will not say yes i have conquered and (laughs) i have produced this release because there is no sense that it does it 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 happens to the mind more so as the experience but the self-inquiry is very powerful that's really where things start getting supercharged because we're able to um, become aware of and bring up much deeper areas uh, much core areas of where all of our uh, emotional pain is coming from
1: Okay. So we've spoken about noticing and self inquiry, where does welcoming come in at the welcoming stage? Is that part of self inquiry or is that just beforehand?
0: So the welcoming comes, uh, before the self inquiry. So it's, it's really an extension of the observing. And so, um, when we're able to observe what's actually within us or our actual real experiences, we can start welcoming it in. We can start really bringing it up. We can start, um, bring it into the the light of of our attention. Once we do that, um, you know, releases can happen spontaneously like that as well. But once we're able to welcome it in, then it's it's sort of supercharged with self inquiry. Right. Okay. And that's that's the whole meditative process. And um, throughout the whole process, there is no fighting. There is no efforting. There is no have tos, there's no shoulds. It's a a natural process that happens to you, but you observe the whole thing. You're more hands off. That's why the discipline isn't showing up. And then when you actually do it, which is very, very simple, um, it happens all by itself. Now, um, one of the big things uh, that comes up too is, you know, okay, I have too many thoughts, I can't meditate. Or my mind is so busy, I can't meditate. That, I mean, I, I laugh inside when I hear that because, like, that means you can meditate because you need, you just observe the thinking. Because we, we come up with the notion that, oh, our minds need to be quiet, or I have to be calm for it to be a good meditation. Or, you know, oftentimes meditation will not be calm. They'll be, they'll be very intense. If something, you know, if you dislodge something and, and an emotion comes up, our minds do not need to be quiet. In fact, um, if we don't have quiet minds, then it's a perfect recipe for meditation because what we do is we observe it we welcome it. We actually have something to work with. Now, a quiet mind will happen, but that happens as a byproduct. It's not something you directly attack. Um, I mean, it's a little silly when when you really think about it. I'm gonna try to quiet my mind with my mind that produces thinking, <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't work. And so the the whole process, I mean, it's something that needs to be repeated because um, in in the external world, you know, to get something done to resolve something, you need to put effort, you need to fix it, you need to figure it out. Uh, but the total opposite is true in meditation for, for problems on the inside.
1: Okay. And so when we're saying it's the total opposite, you often share this analogy of the, the printer being jammed. Can you share that one?
0: Sure. Yeah. So if a printer is jammed, uh, what do you have to do? you have to go over it. You have to open it up. You have to figure out, um, where the paper is. You have to understand how the printer works. Uh, you have to pull the paper out you have to, um, touch a bunch of buttons and then, uh, then it's resolved. It starts working. You can't unjam a printer by saying, Oh, everything is actually fine. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Um, But on the inside, if you have an emotion, let's say um, a frustration, if you try and fix it, if you try to uh, make it better, if you try to um, uh, do anything with it, uh, with your mind, um, it's going to keep it there. It's not going to resolve it. It's only when you open up and let go of all that, that that, that frustration can actually leave. Now, uh, again, our, our minds need to experience this. That's why no matter what I say, I can't transfer that, that knowledge <laughs> because it's something you have to experience. Um, you know, I, I use the bike analogy a lot too. You know, if, if we took a PhD class um, with a stack of books on how to ride a bike, that's not really gonna ha- I mean, sure, it'll help a bit. But it's not going to help you understand how to ride a bike, how to balance it's it's a very experiential process. And the same thing is with meditation.
1: Yeah. And so if someone were going to start learning, right, they've heard what was what we've shared so far. And we're, they've heard up to this part about self inquiry. And they're hearing a lot about this, just observing, like you've got the space and you're observing and you're, you're watching the movie, and then you're, um, you're just you're basically welcoming saying yes to whatever the experience is should we should we perhaps take a slightly different approach in this conversation and just simply guide someone through five minutes or so of what that would look like to simply observe and welcome before the self inquiries step would you be open to guiding us through like five minutes of meditation to be able to show that sure
0: yeah absolutely
1: and then after this what we'll do is we'll start exploring what we mean by self-inquiry because like you said, right, like it's it's like it's like reading, let's just say you've never walked before and then you're reading books on running. It's like, well, hang on, hang on a second. It's great <laughs> that you're reading books on running. It's actually very valuable to learn how to run the right way before you start running. But you've got to at least experience walking first because otherwise it's just too far of a leap. It just doesn't make sense. So if you're with us here.
0: And you know, um, a good way to think about meditation is kind of like a fine art. So let's say a piano. You know, you can't just take four or five lessons and then you know play a masterpiece from Chopin or something. It's um in it's a very similar meditation. So um, you know, in, in the monastery, it, it would take us six months just to prepare to be able to meditate. <laughs> and uh in our mastermind, we go through the whole thing in six weeks, and so um you know, uh, it's, you know, we could walk through it. We can ex- explain, you know, what self-inquiry is, uh, but it's really in the consistent application of it where you're going to find the benefit and get your, your true understanding.
1: Right. Now, for those of you who are listening in, uh, if you're driving while you're listening to this, uh, don't close your eyes, <laughs> please. Um, you can still do the activity though. Uh, try and turn off the listening at 1.5 X speed and try and have it normal. Don't skip the pauses cause they're important for this activity. Uh, but simply, simply observe if you, if you're listening to this and you're in a space where you can't close your eyes, say you're going for a run. You don't want to stop you. You're writing and you're listening on your computer. Uh, or if you're literally driving, uh, or if you're in the office and you don't feel comfortable to close your eyes, then still do this activity while you're listening, keep your eyes open. And that's perfectly fine, but just continue to observe. Uh, if you're sitting down and not doing anything, or if you're able to pull over on the side of the road, or if you're able to find a quiet room in, in the office that you're in while you're listening, great. Then let's do that practice now as well. Uh, so, take it away, Jay.
0: Okay. So, so first, um, meditative posture is um, pretty important because we're we're going to be. Uh, it's good to get into the habit of it because when we do tap into um, uh, deeper things with emotional charge, um, it helps a lot if uh, we're not hunched over like this or in a bad posture. So, you know, extend the nervous system. Second, um, uh, hand position. Um, is you give one of two ways that you can do it. You can either go like this on top of your knees or like this, um on your tongue. Kind of like in your lap.
1: Do you want to describe that just for the people who are listening and not watching? Um the uh the first one that he was talking about is like imagine if you have your hand in front of you and you put it right out in front and you touch your index finger with your thumb and you and you make a round circle with them and you let your other fingers bend a little bit and then you turn it so that the back of your hand is resting on your lap and you do that for both with both of your hands or just come back and find this on youtube and actually watch it um the the other one is you're basically creating a circle with your two hands but with your fingers overlapping so your fingers aren't interlinked like this like your fingers don't interlock with each other you just got one hand there making like a c shape and an opposite c shape with your other hand and you have and you have your thumbs touching with each other and your fingers you basically your fingers are touching the top of your knuckles on one and the bottom of the knuckles on your other, and you can have that resting with the back of your hands on your lap. Hopefully that makes sense. Otherwise, please come watch the YouTube video.
0: And so once you have that, then that's all you need. Everything else is on the inside. So we can start. So unless you're driving or it's inappropriate, please close your eyes. And so closing our eyes just makes us more aware of what's inside of us. And we place our attention on the center of our chest, right where our heart is. And just take a couple breaths and just simply notice what's there. Welcome any sensations. Anything that's there, just simply observe it. Notice it. Now, think of the biggest problem that you have currently the biggest problem you believe you have. And notice the first thing that comes up when you think of that. Whether it's a picture, an emotion, a thought, just observe what's there. As best you can, just welcome everything that arises. Really let it be here. We're not censoring anything. We're not judging anything as good or bad. We're just letting what is be. We're allowing it its freedom, its freedom of movement. All you're doing is simply observing. And place your attention again in the center of your chest, right where your heart is. Just simply notice what it feels like right now. No matter what is there, could you say yes to it? Could you welcome it? Now think of that same problem, or any other problem you believe you have, and simply notice the first thing that comes up when you think of that problem. Really allow whatever arises to simply be here. Notice what it feels like. Are there any sensations in your body? Are there any pictures? Sounds? Whatever phenomena seem to notice it, notice that it was something that was not there, and that it arose. As best you are able, would you fully welcome with fear? Okay. And place your attention again on your heart. Just take a deep breath. Notice notice the humans here. Notice any movements. And slowly open your eyes.
1: <clears throat> now if you've been listening to this, and you've been and you came along the journey and you really practiced, um, or if you come back to it later on, um, what most people share, especially when it's one of their first meditations that they do, what people often share is that they they feel a lot calmer, they feel a lot clearer, they feel more focused, they feel more energized, they feel happier about themselves. Uh, and uh, all of those really negative thoughts which were coming up uh, in the past kind of are just, they just, they have a little bit less weight. And you just feel as if in your life you're more at ease. Now, that's beautiful, but that doesn't last, unfortunately. That's the, that's the, that's the bummer. That's the downside. That, that experience which you just had, if you had positive experiences off the back of it, if you had a positive experience, which by the way, you can't expect to have all the time. If you keep practicing it, every day for a week or two weeks, you'll start to feel a lot calmer afterwards, but you can't expect that either. You just simply need to trust the process. You simply need to trust us when we're saying that this will be exceptionally beneficial for you if you keep practicing. But limiting the practice to just that, literally just welcoming, or asking yourself if you could welcome, will only last you for a bit of time after the meditation. And that's about it. Meditation that we teach goes a lot deeper because we don't want you to just learn meditation so that you can, when you get flustered or you get emotionally flooded or you get overwhelmed or you get stressed out or angry that, let's just say you're in a work setting and you're meeting with a client or with a colleague or a peer or someone or boss and then you're just like whoa i'm i'm too many emotions right now i'm gonna run away and then you run away and i'll come back in 10 minutes you sit down you meditate for 10 minutes okay i'm feeling better now and then you go back into the meeting room life just doesn't work that way unfortunately in our society there are some circumstances where you can have that but most of the time with our peers and our colleagues and our spouses and our children it just doesn't work that way we got to remain present and so what we teach is the ability to learn how to do this, how to build up the skill, right? You're, you're working a muscle, how to build up the skill to be able to apply this in all areas of your life. Remember, what you just heard now are just baby steps and you'll find incredible gifts from it and beauty. Kind of similar to walking through nature uh, without your without listening to a podcast or headphones, unless it's this one with a guided meditation, you know what I mean? so how can we how can we start to explore this further so if jai that's what we're focusing on on noticing and welcoming and simply allowing ourselves to welcome Mm -hmm. the next stage we're talking more about deeper self-inquiry what does that look like
0: yeah so the self-inquiry that we were taught in the monastery starts more on the surface uh, but then really goes down to the core um, wants that produce all of our emotions. Um, so there's, there's three core areas that we focus our self inquiry on that um, are really the root causes of all of our emotional pain. And so when we apply self inquiry, just, you know, just to what we're experiencing, um, that's very powerful. Well, when we start applying self-inquiry to these core areas, um, then it gets supercharged.
1: So what are those areas? And maybe, maybe focus more on the, before we even get to those areas, just the, the part about letting go. Maybe let's just focus a little bit more there because that's the basis for what we start to look at it everywhere else.
0: Um, so with the self-inquiry, um, it's, it's really guiding us towards letting go, guiding us towards having a release. And so, um, you know, the, the questions are very simple. Um, in the beginning, um, we start with, um, if I could eat, you'd say, you know, you welcome something. If I easily could, would I set this free or would I let it go? Now, when you ask it that way, um, it's not confrontational to where you must let it go (laughs) because uh, we're very attached to what we have inside oftentimes, even if it's painful. And so um, when we ask it in kind of a hypothetical way, saying if this easily could be done, would it be something that you would want to do? Would it be something that you would do? Um, And again, a yes, or a no is completely the correct answer, as long as it's true and honest to what you're observing inside. And so, let's say there's something painful that comes up, um, and you ask, "If you easily could, would you?" Maybe it's no. I don't want to. Um, maybe because um, you know you, you feel like. Uh, someone needs to pay for what has happened or whatever it is. Um, but when we say no, um, and we observe and realize that, um, just in that honesty, it creates the openness for a release to happen. So again, yes or no is totally perfect. It just, um, it's going to be whatever is honest to you. And so, um, Again, the process is not an efforting. So we ask ourselves a question, but again, it's very much in the observing. So the initial steps of the observing and welcoming is, again, self-inquiry is an extension of that. Because if you get to self-inquiry before you're able to, to observe and welcome, it doesn't really work because <laughs> you're just going to kind of be fighting and going against it. Um, and so, again, this, the release is what we're going for. But it's just a byproduct of the meditation and it happens all by itself. As long as you just show up and you stick with the process consistently.
1: Okay. So this letting it go, you've often used the analogy of holding a hot coal. Can you share that analogy as well?
0: Yeah, no, that's a good, I like that one because let's say you're holding onto a hot coal, It's like, ah, oh, this is painful. It's not going to help at all to try to identify what kind of wood it is or where it came from or um, why was it even picked up in the first place the only thing that's gonna help is let it go and our minds don't like that often because they they, they want to have answers <laughs> it wants to 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 figure it out um, but in in the beginning you can feel a little bit like a gym <laughs> like Uh, you've, you've resolved something. It's like, it's like I've resolved such a big problem so easily. Like it it seems almost like a joke to to the mind. Um, But uh, you'll start to notice that that's the answer for resolving uh, pain, emotional pain on the inside. And so, um, you know, an interesting thing too, is we can't imagine what a release will be like because, uh, everything all the thoughts that we have access to and the things we can imagine are dependent upon sort of the emotional state we're in and so we can't imagine ourselves beyond the emotional state that we are we are at and so um you know it's that's why i keep on coming back it's experiential you have to do it anything i say is not really going to (laughs) help because um Uh, you can't imagine what it would be like without it because at the moment your imagination is in a box of what you have access to based on um, the emotions that you're feeling
1: and i want to i want to add to the analogy as well just just for those who are trying this out and seeing if you're able to do it great remember meditation is not about doing anything or at least the meditation we teach it's not about doing anything you're not visualizing you're not uh, actively practicing kindness meditation or other forms of meditation which are where you're very actively trying to do something even the when we're talking about let go it's not a verb it's the exact opposite you can think of it more precisely as stop holding on so when you've when you've got that hot coal in your hand and you're like oh my goodness that's so hot i have to let go of it well, having to let go is kind of like if you were to try to let go of it You'd probably be like throwing it to the other side of the room or something. It's not. It's not letting. Like we're not doing anything. We're literally recognizing that we're holding on to it, and we choose to stop. We choose to do less. We choose to stop holding on to this hot coal, and that's when where our fingers loosen their grip and it drops. And so we're not trying to pry it out our hands we're not trying to like chisel it away so it's not in our hands anymore we're not trying to throw it to the other side of the room or get it somewhere else or douse it with water we're literally just stopping holding on that's it which is why jai asks this in such a hypothetical way it says if you easily could would you there are two hypotheticals in that if you easily could would you let it go it's not saying let it go now Thing. If you easily could, would you stop holding on to this? Now, this is super powerful. And to a lot of you who are listening, if you're if you're still in your baby steps of meditation, it's going to feel a bit strange. To those who have practiced for a little while, you're going to start to, you're going to probably pick up on this a little bit quicker and resonate with it a bit stronger. Uh, but Jai, what's, what are the areas that we then focus on to let go? Why do we then focus on specific areas as opposed to just, sticking with what's the pain can you let it go what what do we do from here and why
0: so the the three areas that we focus on are really at the root of what's causing all of our emotional pain and the three general areas are uh, wanting to be loved wanting to get love because we feel unloved the other is wanting to control because we feel that we don't have uh, control over our life so we, we impose it. Um, and the other is, uh, safety because we feel threatened. We feel unsafe. And so those three areas, there's more detail in that, um, that we go into, but generally, those are the three general areas that, um, our emotions stem from. And so when we go deeper and we, uh, release and let go of or we stop holding on to these uh, deeper wants it lets go of hundreds of feelings instead of letting go of one sort of one feeling at a time it really supercharges the whole process right.
1: and so for someone who's listening and they're just getting started today just simply focus on the uh, think of something that's causing you pain or frustration or negative emotion of some sort try to welcome it and then if you easily could would you let it go is that kind of just where they start
0: so the first step is you know create that meditation space um you know this impresses upon you also that this is something you're embarking on um two is um you know commit to consistency for at least two years minimum two years in fact when we start our meditation mastermind classes it lasts six weeks but i put a reminder in my calendar to follow up with everyone in two years because that's really um the time frame well in the reason I, I say two years is because in the monastery we were encouraged to compare ourselves only to ourselves in two year increments because that leaves enough time to see where the actual progression is going we don't compare ourselves to how we were last week or last month or last couple of months because the meditation practice goes up and down like this. But after two years, you know, the trend will will be up. And so when you compare yourself in two-year increments, it's very encouraging. You, you, you feel much more successful at the whole process because you're not beating yourself up <laughs> or not, you know, uh, doing good enough. Um, but recap. Meditation space, commit to consistency for at least two years. Um then the observer. and um, you know, if if it's tough to get in touch with your emotions, um, you can sit there for a couple months and just in, in the observing part, that's fine. Um, then it's then the next step is the welcoming part, and then it's the self inquiry into um, if you easily could, would you set it free?
1: Okay. And then for for those of you who are curious, what we end up discussing obviously the rest of the mastermind is then talking about love and control and safety or security or death the which are some deep topics but the majority of the conversations with the mastermind alumni so people who have learnt from uh, have learnt meditation from us one-on-one or in a group setting they all have access to uh, a group setting with the fortnightly sessions and the majority of what those conversations are is not what you think It's not about diving deeper into the control and love and and security and these things, which which sounds like from what we've described as if that's where all the gold is. The vast majority of the conversations, because most of them are still within the first two years, is actually just simply about the consistency, about the practice of letting go, and definitely about just welcoming, welcoming those emotions as they're coming up and not feeling like you have to say yes to letting it go. Because remember, it's not something that you're doing. So if you wanted to learn meditation, like this is where you start, you don't have to engage with us for any services, we want you to basically become a better kinder, more more gentle and loving and calm and focused and productive and efficient, successful version of yourself. And if if all you need is just hearing us share this conversation about create your space, be consistent, welcome, observe, basically watch the movie, and then Ask yourself if you're able to stop holding on to something. And then if that's all that you need to really transform your life, wonderful. Take that away. Share it with everyone that you know, don't keep it a secret, but awesome. But if you wanted to dive deeper, then reach out to us. We're happy to help. We're happy to help continue to explore this with you. But at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that you can experience this because when i'd been practicing meditation for about four four and a half years before meeting jay and before jay had shared with me the meditation that he's learned uh while he was a monk and he would shared that with me and it was game changing uh he's not out there trying to sell it <laughs> we're just uh it's only that's that's my doing i think uh we're just trying to make sure that people in the world have access to this type of knowledge and this type of wisdom so hopefully You can already do all of this and we never have to hear from you again. Uh, Wonderful. Uh, And hopefully you also feel confident that you're able to reach out to us. If you have any questions, if you wanted to explore more about this meditation and more about what it actually means. So Jai, do you have any parting wisdom or thoughts or insights that could be really valuable for the people who are listening to can I just help them along this path, and make sure they get as much value as possible from this conversation?
0: Yeah, so you're not going to know what um, how beautiful it is or the, the benefits of meditation um, and you can't imagine that it is so. But what I can basically guarantee is that it's way better than anything you can imagine <laughs> right now. It truly is. Um, I mean, the benefits immensely outweigh anything you have to do with meditation. Um, and again, the I always come back to it because it's really where it's at. The being consistent at it is the real power behind all of it. Even if all you did was sit down and observe, if you did that for two years, it would be a transformative two years. But, you know, we, we take it much further. Um, also, our minds get louder and it's easier for us to believe and get caught up in uh, in traps and things that don't matter, even if we have an intellectual understanding of it. So we could completely intellectually understand, okay, you know, the mind does this, I have to observe, I have to do that. But when it actually happens, all that goes out the window. It's um, That's why... That's why we have the um, every two week um, alumni session just because our minds need uh, constant reminders oftentimes um, about the simple, how simple the process actually is um, because our minds will, it'll, it'll seem like a storm. This reminds me of a story um, of, there's a monk who went who needed to seek a master And um, he goes into the master's cave and he says, anything that happens here is complete illusion and um, do not try to stop any of it. And then he walks away into the other room and he goes, okay, just sitting in there. And then his friend um, walks in and he's like, oh, you know, and then um and then uh, then someone attacks his friend um and all these crazy things are happening in front of him (laughs) um but he has to remember what the master told him to not get involved in any of it because it's all illusion and so if he doesn't get involved then the master sees him if he does get involved then he then he gets lost and then uh, he doesn't get to see the master. And our minds bring up storms like that um, in meditation as well. We'll start believing these things that are absolutely ridiculous if we actually just stay, take a step back and, and just look at what's going on. Um, and so the, the you know, having, having it, because when I was in the monastery, if I was completely alone, I would have had a much more difficult time than if I, was, I wasn't part of a group. Um, and that's what we're, we're, trying to do a bit with this, um, uh, alumni every two weeks, um, is to sort of create that group environment for that support and that consistency and that reminders to not get too off track because you can easily get off track, um, for months and, and not realize it.
1: Yeah. The, what you just shared reminds me of something that quite a few meditation teachers have shared with me. You've shared this with me in the past. Uh, Rajan Shankara, who was on another episode of the podcast. He was a monk at the same monastery that you were. He was there for 12 years. Uh, A incredible Zen Buddhist teacher named Henry Shukman uh, has shared this as well. He was on another episode too. Um, And I've heard Rick Hansen share things like this as well as numerous others. It's this idea. And it reminded me ultimately, what reminded me of this was um, just yesterday I was at the zoo with my daughter and we were there and we were looking at this really awesome bird. Like I hadn't seen an animal that keeps so still other than like insects and the like, or like lizards and whatever. But as, for a bird to be staying so still, what it does is it wades through shallow water, but it goes really slowly and it's looking for its prey. It's looking for its insects and worms and stuff. So that they can't see it. It goes so slowly. And the way that it, the only, the part of the reason is it doesn't want whatever it's seeing to react to it moving. But the other reason is because as soon as it, like if it moves violently or quickly, it's going to make a huge ripple uh, and it's going to make a lot of movement in the water. If it makes a movement, it won't be able to see the thing that it's trying trying to get, the outcome that it's looking for. And what the lesson behind this is, is that if you want to see things clearer, stop doing things because the things that you're doing to try and see it clearer are actually murking the water. It's like trying to see what's inside the water and you kind of just keep moving your hand around and you just kind of try try to see it. Then all you're making are ripples and it just distorts it all. Instead, learn to just be a little bit more still, a little bit calmer, a little bit more focused and just observe. And then when you're just observing, the ripples start to stop. The water becomes smooth. And then we start to see that what we're looking at is actually only just a reflection of what's in the water. And so we think that we're looking at the water and there's so much more to see beneath it and above it. And as you do this practice, as you allow yourself to enjoy the gift of this practice, throughout time over time you'll start to get to the point of being able to just see things clearer and seeing things with less of the distortion less of the ripples and you'll start to find that in everyday life no matter almost no matter what's happening you'll start to find happiness like not a crazy the joker type laughing at everything because that's that's um, psychopath psychopathic as opposed to uh, insightful wisdom you start to just find you start to see how funny our minds are and how crazy they are and you start to find a lot more joy in everything that's happening and people won't understand it that's why you need a community of others who can support you through it that's one of the things we're trying to create but you can find that elsewhere as well uh other people might not understand it but it's your journey that you're going through to be able to see things clearer, create some stillness, and allow yourself this ability to stop holding on to everything, and carrying all of this weight on your shoulders. Is there anything else worthwhile sharing, Jay?
0: It's a wonderful journey to embark on, and it has. It is uh, unimaginable, unimaginable depths of joy are there waiting for you. And um, if, if you could see what was just on the other side of this thin veil, <laughs> um, you'd, you'd go in and meditate for three hours a day because the, the essence of everything we're looking for is achievable through a meditative process.
1: Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today appreciate it Jai. so i hope you received a whole lot of value from engaging in that conversation what were the key takeaways for you what can you schedule in your life right now to make sure that the time you just invested into listening to this exceptional conversation with this amazing mentor and this amazing individual is time that wasn't misused but was time that you've allocated properly to enhancing your life and improving it whatever it is schedule it now practice it now Be the successful person you're meant to be. Live with purpose.